1: In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxen is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is with David Covey. David is the co-CEO and co-founder of SMCOV, as well as managing partner and co-founder of Thomas Leland. An expert in leadership and global licensing, he has co-authored a book called "Trap Tales: Outsmarting the Seven Hidden Obstacles to Success." Rather, I'm really excited to have him on the show as we dive into the seven most common obstacles that ensnare people every day. Welcome to the show, David.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure's mine. So,
1: before we dive into what traps are, can you give us a background about who you are and how you got to where you where you got to be today?
0: Yeah, happy to do so. So I am uh, the third son of Stephen R. Covey. Uh, many people might know my father from his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He yep. wrote back in 19, 1989. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I uh, I grew up with The Seven Habits. Uh, for a lot of people, The Seven Habits was a book that came out and they read. And for me, it was a philosophy growing up. So uh, I had to be proactive at age three. And think win win at age four, and listen empathically at age five. <laughs> so I really didn't have a normal childhood, as you can imagine growing up uh, yeah, uh, in the Covey I household. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, I uh, uh, you know, I uh, I wanted to, you know, be part of the, the Franklin Covey organization, and uh, but my father gave me some advice and say, you know, you know, if you do, that's great, but go out and get some different experience. So I did that after graduating from college. I went and worked for Procter & Gamble for a couple of years in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, and then I uh, took two years out to go to uh, business school. So I did that uh, for two years. And then I joined uh, uh, what was then Cove Leadership Center, which later then became Franklin Covey. And in that, uh, I was at Franklin Covey, uh, Covey Leadership Center and Franklin Covey for 16 years, and I had half of my roles in the U.S. and the other half outside the United States. So uh, I lived in Australia. I've lived in uh, Tokyo. I've lived in London, and then I traveled all over uh, the world to about sixty different countries. And I set up the international licensing network for Franklin Covey. So I really kind of caught the international bug, and you know, I was really loved working uh, globally. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, I, when my father retired, uh, my business partner and I, Stefan Mardiks decided that, uh, it was time for us to kind of build our, we both felt it was the right time to build our own business. So we started SM COV, SM is Stefan's initials and I'm the COV. So that's where SM COV comes from. Nice. Uh, and, uh, we started that six years ago. And what we do is we help companies go global, uh, wow. and it, intellectual property companies so uh, companies that have training content we help them go global through licensing so we had done we have, we've done that with franklin covey and took franklin covey to you know 120 countries through 40 different licensees uh and so now we're doing that in our in our business so, so i mean we and we represent about 25 brands some of the brands you know you would know and some you wouldn't but maybe one brand people would know is david allen's getting things done Yep, Or GTD mm-hmm. is uh, is one of our brands. And when we started working with uh, GTD, they were in two countries. And today they're in 60 countries. And uh, and, and when they have 30 partners that represent their product in 60 countries. So that's what we do. That's that's what SMC is all about.
1: That's amazing, and a lot of the audience they do you know they do come from different parts of the world. They identify with several cultures, and the premise of the show, which is usually different to make a difference, was based on my international experience. So I, I love that you do that, and that you actually highlight some of these companies. And I'm sure you deal with the cultural nuances as well that uh, that come with moving yeah. to new markets.
0: Yeah, we absolutely do. In fact, I have another business that you mentioned. Uh, it's called Thomas Leland. And uh, Thomas Lee what we do is that we help companies align their values and culture. Uh, and so when you think about it, a lot of companies say this, you know, on paper this is what we value, uh, but the culture ends up being uh, many times, unfortunately, very different than the values that they say that they they say are important. Yeah. So uh, we have a whole business that helps that helps companies do that, and we have a couple anthropologists. Uh, cultural anthrop- anthropologists that we uh, have as our uh, two of our lead partners for this Thomas Leland business. So Perfect. Perfect. yeah, I, I, I love, I love culture. And, and, and I really do believe that the phrase that culture does eat strategy for lunch. Uh, <laughs> I think it's true. And, and it's very important that uh, you get uh, alignment around the culture and values.
1: No, I, I it's not, we, we're speaking the same language. I already love that. This is going to be great. So that was the background. Now, the most fascinating thing about your book title, when I when I when it came across me, was I read this thin this phrase. It says, "Stop letting traps steal your time, money, energy, happiness." And then, trap tales provide survival training of a different sort that sets you on a journey to the next phase of your life. What are traps?
0: So, uh, so this this whole idea around traps. Uh, it started when uh, my business partner and I, we played chess, and I'm sure some of your audience plays, plays chess. But in chess, you know the objective is to try to get your opponent to fall into traps. And if you're successful at that, and you're thinking several moves ahead, and, and you're, you know, you're getting your opponent to fall into these traps, you're going to win. And uh, so we thought about that as a great metaphor for life. And, and when you think about it, a lot of life is about traps that we fall into, and uh, I can get into in a minute about what those different traps are. But there are traps that uh, that we fall into. Uh, they are, you know, deceiving. They're dis- uh, seductive. Uh, they're sticky and they're limited. You know, those are the four characteristics of, of traps. But they, they, these are things that actually prevent us and hold us back from achieving what we want to do in life. And uh, And so if we can learn to become uh, like a trapologist, which is a new uh, uh, terminology that we've introduced in, in this book. Uh, we want to teach uh, the reader to become a trapologist so they can learn to spot and stay out of traps. Or if they're in a trap, they can learn how to get out of trap and how most effectively to get out of the trap. But the book is about the common modern traps that you see in both life and work
1: common traps that you see in both life and work. You you went ahead and you did this with your business partner Stefan and you came up with seven hidden obstacles uh, that come and hinder success. Could you talk about those seven obstacles and how they catch people unaware?
0: Absolutely. So, uh the seven hidden, hidden obstacles is another way of saying the seven traps. So, they're one and the same. Yeah. So, these are uh these are traps, modern traps. These are not I'm sure these not are, are not all the traps, but we think that these are some of the most common and modern ones. So the first trap is uh, what we call the relationship trap. And that's where you operate as a married single or you're in a relationship and you (laughs) operate as, as a single individual. And so, uh, when you think about that, that happens a lot in relationships, uh, where, you know, you have a, you have a couple or a partnership and, and, uh, one party is, you know, or, or even both parties, still operate as if they're single. And a lot of the reasons why we do that is that we think our upbringing is superior to that of our partners. Uh we we don't make the mindset mind set shift from from me to we. It's is still about you as an individual rather than the you know the, the partnership and the the marriage uh, that you have. Uh and then we're unwilling to change. I mean our our expectation is is I'll change when you change. Uh <laughs> And because of that, we see a lot of difficulties in relationships because uh, they operate as, as as married singles as if they're not even a partnership, and uh, that that's that, that's that's a big problem, and that that needs to change. I mean, we we can relate to this. We see this all the time in athletics where we see a a team that operates very selfishly and they operate like individuals versus a team that you know runs like a team and everybody plays a role and they're unselfish. Uh, Uh, Just watching uh, basketball recently, and 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 you see that on some of the some of the basketball teams, you know, teams that uh, 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 like an NBA team that can operate like they operate like a team and they work cohesively, and and then you see a team that operates like a bunch of individuals. So that's true in a relationship as well. So uh, in every one of the traps, we have uh, what we call, you know, uh, the epiphany breakthrough. So the Epiphany breakthrough stands for it's really the insight, the, the epiphany that leads to the breakthrough in behavior. Okay? Definitely. And that's what we're looking for. So uh what we recommend to get out of the relationship trap when you operate as a married single is to create a shared vision for your relationship and agree upon the pathway to get there. And specifically to talk about three important points in your in in your uh partnership or marriage, you know, First of all, how are you going to manage your finances? That's uh, often one of the main reasons why people uh, break up or get divorced is because they're not on the same page in, in, in regards to their finances. If we have kids, you know, how are we going to raise them? What's their our child rearing philosophy? Uh, if you have children, and then what's going to be the roles in raising your family? Uh, how will be how, how uh, you know? Are we going to both work professionally? And if we are, how's, how are the household duties going to be divided up? I think a lot of times, uh, uh, even though uh, women and men are working, uh, uh, the household responsibilities still fall on the women, primarily. And that, that's crazy when you think about it. <laughs> Why would that be the case when, when both parties are working uh, outside the home? So uh, those, those are really three important uh, areas in, in a relationship and in a marriage that kind of need, that, you know, really need to be discussed. And that's what we recommend that you do in the book. Okay. So the second trap is the money trap, and that's the quicksand of debt. And I think everybody can kind of relate to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we we are a nation, uh, a, a, you know, that's deeply in debt. And, you know, we fall into this credit card debt. It's, it's, there's, the act that, uh, there's such easy access to credit, and there's the relenting uh, advertising and solicitation and you know, people like you know buy stuff just to get points, uh, and then what we find ourselves is that we're in a mountain of debt, and it's just crushing us. Uh, and uh, so, you know that that tends to be a huge, huge problem. And you know, when you're in debt, it can it can just consume your life. Uh, I mean, it, it consumes all your resources for one, but uh, it can be so uh, heavy on you, and it can weigh on you that you know, uh, other aspect of your life can't even go forward until that debt is eliminated. So the epiphany breakthrough for debt, <clears throat> the conventional approach, so in every every uh, situation for the trap, we talk about the conventional approach versus the epiphany breakthrough. So the conventional approach is, well, you got to budget, you got to be disciplined, and you got to exercise restraint, which of course is good advice, but it doesn't work most of the time for most people because willpower doesn't last very long. It's kind of like New Year's resolutions, you know, you make them, and by February you forgot you even have any of them. Uh, as, similar to debt, so the epiphany breakthrough is that we recommend that people create a scoreboard, uh, and it, as represented in a paper debt snake, and you create this snake. It's a paper snake, and you, you know, if you're 50, let's say you're fifty thousand dollars in debt, or you have fifty thousand uh, dollars of of school loans. And, uh, and, and you create this, this paper debt and you put it in your kitchen or in your living room and you have these thousand dollar increments where you get to start cutting up the snake and paper snake once you start eliminating your debt. So you basically make a game out of it. You make it fun. Yeah. You make it interesting. We had this with our family where at one point we were $90,000 in debt. We tried budgeting and, and all we did is get into, uh, get into fights. I got into fights (laughs) with my wife about it, and uh, it wasn't working, and and, uh, we we had this idea, this epiphany that came to us, is that what if we were to, you know, uh, represent this in something that we can get our kids involved as well, and it was amazing to see the impact, and and there's there's such motivation with the scoreboard, and having a scoreboard, and seeing your progress, and then, of course, what we did is that we were more disciplined, we exercised strength, you know, we didn't spend Frivolously and carelessly, uh, and so we did all the right things, but we had to do it through a different approach than to, you know, say, hey, we have to have a budget, and we have to be all strict. We did it through a fun, uh, creative way uh, of creating a scoreboard to, to eliminate our debt.
1: Debt Th- is a big killer for us, like, for sure, especially with student loans. And when we get back, yeah, forty thousand dollars in debt. You know, it's one of those things that we they can be depressing, but you know, given the way you're saying it and making out a game that we can actually defeat, I think that keeps us motivated.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, when you're a young person and I have some young kids, you know, in their twenties, uh, you know, you got to decide, are you going to be a person that's going to pay debt or pay interest most of your life? or Are you going to be a, someone who earns interest most of their life? So for every trap, we have what we call the trap inversion. And that's where we turn the, 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 the trap upside down on its head. And, and look at what the positive bid. So if the trap is debt and paying interest, the trap inversion is compound interest and earning compound interest. Uh, Albert Einstein called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. Uh <laughs> so powerful. If you could start young, you know, in your 20s, and start putting away some money every month, and not touch it, just leave it, let it compound, it's it's incredible the power of... of how your money can uh, change and evolve and grow uh, by leaving it. So, uh, so for your young, for, for your uh, listeners, I would say decide now, guys, to be somebody who's going to be earning interest rather than paying interest throughout your life. So,
1: decide now if you're going to be someone who's going to be earning interest rather than paying interest for the rest of your life. You hear that, nomads? <laughs> 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 uh, well, that, 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 that's that's solid advice. That's solid advice. So. The third one, the third trap that third, you have.
0: The third trap is the focus trap, and that's being mired in the thick of thin things. And uh, when you think about it, uh, we have a huge focus problem uh, today, uh, you know, at work and at home. And and the reason for that is that we have so much coming out of us, uh, c- coming at us, you know, information that's coming at us. Where You know, a lot of people are perpetually connected to the internet and social media and a lot of this stuff, even though it's, you know, nice and fun. Sometimes a lot of it is really not that important stuff. It's, it's really thin things. Uh, and, and we oftentimes lack the patience and, uh, expect things to happen on our timeframe and really the best things in life don't happen instantaneously. You know, they usually take time. So, uh, so, you know, the conventional approach says, well, you just got to be a better juggler, you know? Just learn to be a better juggler. You got to just manage everything coming at you. And, uh, and you know, if you're a better juggler, then you can, you know, you can handle it all. Uh, the epiphany breakthrough says, now nah, being a better juggler doesn't work. What you need to do is you need to decide you really can't do it all. You have to filter out the unimportant. You have to detach from a lot of the minutia that, you know, comes at you. And you got to learn to say no more often uh so you can say the, yes to the things that you value most so uh the epiphany breakthrough really says you know you really have to kind of choose and and have to decide uh i think that uh, a great ex- business example of this was steve jobs you know when he went back for his second act uh you know so he had you know the first part where he started the company and then he was gone from the company for 9 years then he came back and when he came back he found apple in total disarray it was it was about ready to uh, to go bust financially. Uh, and, I mean, they had like 400 different pro- uh, products, and everybody had, you know, a, an agenda, and they all want, were, were fighting for resources for their for their products. Uh, and Jobs said, "You know what? We're going to sell four products." And he, drove, uh, he drew a four by a two by two matrix and said, "You know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to create four products." And everybody thought he was crazy. He's just like, "What are you talking about? We can't abandon all these products." And what he, what, what Jobs knew is he had this um, amazing power to focus, and he brought that focus back to Apple, and, and now Apple's the most valuable company in the world in terms of market capitalization. And it was because of the focus that Steve Jobs brought to it. And it, it, it was him saying, you know, we're not going to do thousands of things. We're going to do three or four things really, really well and create three or four products, and that's what they've done. Uh, and so the power of focus is is truly amazing and very important in our life. And I think that uh, we 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 can easily fall into the trap where we're just caught up in the minutia, and we're not even following our own agenda uh, and our own vision for our life. We're just kind of floating along and letting others decide what we do based on uh, everything coming at us.
1: Yeah, I I think. I think a lot of us confuse what's urgent with what's important. And then we, we don't actually prioritize on the things that actually matter to us. And then time management is one of the biggest keys to success. The most successful people know how to efficiently and ruthlessly manage their time. And we end up not taking inventory of our days. And by the time the days are done, we find that our focus was on the wrong thing. So I think for sure that that's a trap because then we end up saying things like, well, where am I going to find the time? You know, I have to do this, I have to do this. And then if we actually do an inventory, we ask ourselves, do we have to do these things? Or are we, <laughs> are we making them or inflating that as a priority? So, yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a good one. Um, okay, number four.
0: Okay, four is the change trap. And the subtitle to that is procrastination, the killer of growth and transformation. So when you think about uh, change, Change is very hard for human beings. They they, they avoid it at all costs. Uh, most people wait until they reach rock bottom before they change. Uh, a lot of people would rather die before they change. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but there are studies of people that are, you know, from a, a health point of view for their bodies, uh, if they don't change some of their habits, they're going to die. And they would rather die <laughs> than change some of those habits. And then we also have the perfectionists, which there's uh, a, a huge uh, group of people that fall into that category, and the perfectionists live by the mantra that if I can't be perfect I might as not, I might as well not try uh, and so uh, that's that's a big ch- a trap that uh, a lot of people fall into is is they they're not able to change and, and they procrastinate the changes that they need to make. So the epiphany. So the conventional wisdom is uh, is is saying, well, just you know, I you have to reach rock bottom, and you know, you, you just change when uh, when you're forced to, when circumstances forces forces you to do. Uh, then then that's when you change. The epiphany breakthrough suggests something totally different. It says uh, it, it, it recommend we change courageously when your conscience dictates. So we really all know some of the changes that we need to do. In fact, if we sit and reflect for a minute or two and we think about what do I need to do differently, what do I need to change in my life, we, we can feel uh, within ourselves and, and you know, it comes to our mind and our heart the things that we know that we need to change. And so it's really having the courage to make those changes that we need to make in our lives and not waiting until the circumstances force us to, or when we hit rock bottom.
1: Awesome. Awesome. That's true. And it, it, it's so funny. A lot of things that you're saying, there are things that that are, that might be, they might sound simple, but they haven't been easy to implement. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's a simple thing to oh, say. totally but makes not, sense. Yeah. And you know, that's why I love having guests like you on because you, you've got, I mean, not only from having, you know, A father like yours but you have gone ahead and done it yourself and you've done it on a global level not just in america and you've seen the common denominators amongst us humans and what we do to prevent us one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt
0: until you tried it on same goes for your health care
1: Helps them achieving our fullest potential. So hearing you talk about all this stuff is just, you know, so sobering moment for me. But it's also one where I'm like mentally taking notes and typing up stuff on my Evernote and saying, "Yes, yes, just keep going, David." So I,
0: I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and the main message I want to leave your listeners uh, with is the message of hope. Uh, and honestly, we can change the trajectory of our life at any time. There is no reason why. We can't reinvent ourselves now. And the only thing that's holding us back is our inability or unwillingness to change and adapt and adjust and, uh, reframe, uh, in terms, reframe how we look at at working at life. And we're, we're playing out a lot of these. I talk about this in the book about these old story scripts, you know, these old story habits and beliefs that we have. And what we need to do is we need to have this new story, and we have, need to have these new story beliefs and, uh, and behaviors. You know, It starts first with beliefs, obviously. Right. And then from there, it can emerge to, to new behaviors. In the book, it's, uh, I, I wrote it as a uh, story with, with my co-author, Stefan Mardiks, and it's a, a story about a, a guy by the name of Alex. And Alex finds himself, he, he's, he's married, and his wife is named Kim, and... But Alex is very extravagant in terms of his spending. You know, he came from a family that had money and his wife came from more of a conservative family, didn't really have a lot of money growing up. Uh, And so, but Alex lives this life where he's, you know, he's not very helpful at the house uh, uh, because his mother was a stay at home mom. And so he's used to having, uh, uh, you know, the the mother or his wife do, you know, do all the work at the house. And he he goes out and he buys all these expensive he buys this expensive car and he, he buys all these expensive toys and and he's causing all kinds of you know uh risks in the relationship with his wife and uh and and in the, in the in in the story around uh the change trap he finally decides to turn in his luxury uh, convertible uh <laughs> which is you know causing a, a huge uh, rift in his marriage and 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 uh a huge monthly payments that he's having to make and and so he does that, and he and he gets this used car, you know this beat up used car and and you know so his ego takes a little bit of a hit but but when he finally realizes how I mean, he feels great about it because he's finally's been telling him to do this and uh and and he goes in and do that and and he does this so i think I think your readers will find they if they choose to pick up the book uh the story very engaging, and I, I think they'll find a lot of themselves uh, uh, in, in the book and into the character. No, I absolutely. I agree. know it was easy to, easy to write for me. It was easy for me to write because I, 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 I see so many things in myself that I saw in Alex.
1: Absolutely. I mean, first of all, you know, it, the way that you the title of the book is enough to get me there. But I think a great story is when you can locate yourself inside the characters and a lot of what you're going through and what you're telling us today are things that, you know, frankly our generation of younger have been, you know, told. And it's it's a matter of us to just realize that we're at a pivotal time. You know, this is the most globalized period, most digitalized period. There's so many intersections. And with that comes a lot of opportunities. Yes, the the negatives are always highlighted, but with the opportunities and the limited barriers to entries, we can determine our narratives and our paths. We just have to be brave enough to go there. And be that leader in terms of that. So uh, I think it's great.
0: I think it's great. Absolutely. Um, all right. Fi- So right. We're five? Yeah, we have three more to go. Yeah. So h- hang in there, guys. So the last three, uh, the, uh, trap five is the learning trap. And the subtitle to that is mistakes and why we got it all wrong. And what I mean by that is uh, when you look at mistakes that we make, and we're all going to make mistakes as humans, uh, it's 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 just part of our existence in life. Is is, is mistake is or part of the process. But that's the point is that we need to see it as part of the process. And when you look at any great breakthroughs that have happened or great innovations, think of like Thomas Edison and the light bulb. You know how many iterations did he have to go through before you could finally create that? It was like a thousand, yeah. right? Like a thousand iterations. And and I, I study a lot on business and. Uh, Pixar is a company that I uh, greatly admire. I love their movies. But uh, Ed Catmull, the CEO of Pit, uh, 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 Pixar, said, you know, when Pixar movies first, you know, when we're first working on them, they really suck. They're really not good. And he says, I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that. I, I'm, I'm saying that because it's true. But what we do is we go through this iteration process where we improve and, and, and refine and adjust and, and challenge and and, uh, and, and ultimately, they get a great product, but it takes a lot, a lot of iterations before they finally get to that point. And I think a lot of times we, we tend to look at other people and they think, oh, this person's a genius. You know, they just, uh, they're just naturally gifted and I'm not naturally gifted. But when you really look closer to it, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell's uh, book, Outliers, yeah. you know, he talks about the 10,000 hour rule. You know, uh, and you look at like someone like the Beatles, you know, that came onto the scene in America in February of 1964 and and they, you know, instantaneously became success. But when you look back and you look at their history, you know, they played in Hamburg, Germany, you know, for like uh, 16 months and they played more during that 16 months than most bands will play in their whole life. And so they put in the 10,000 hours and they had all that work. So, you know, when they finally arrived in America, you know they they uh, had been together like almost for like a lifetime, compared to how, how often most bands play. And and I think that that's what we need to start to realize is that this, you know, because we have the social media and it appears like the lives of everybody around us is is amazing, and ours is boring and uneventful. And uh, and and so we tend to you know hide our mistakes or or spin them. Or we, you know, or or we try try to uh, minimize our role in the mistakes. And I think what we need to do is we need to embrace that mistakes are part of the process. That in in order to learn and grow and develop, we're going to make mistakes, and 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 it's going to happen. And so let's not try to hide them, or let's not label them as character flaws, or let's not try to, uh, you know, portray a persona that's really not us. You know, let's let's be genuine. Let's be authentic. And, uh, and then let's learn from our mistakes and realize that that's part of the learning process. Absolutely, absolutely. Love it, love it. Uh, that's, I guess the good is six. Six is the career trap, and that is the uh, trap of settling in your job, settling or losing the passion and inspiration in your professional work. So there's a lot of people that are miserable in their job. They're very unhappy, uh they feel trapped they feel stuck in their job you know they feel like they need it for uh you know they need the the income to support themselves or their families uh and and it's it's a big problem because uh they're not happy and and we really should be happy there's really four ingredients to a successful career it's it's the financials you want to feel like you're being paid fairly it's the it's the ideas you want to feel like you're creatively utilized at work, uh, passion, you, you, you need to feel passion about what you're doing You know, every day of your life. I mean, you're spending half your life at work. Uh, so you, you ought to be passionate about what you're doing. And then you want to feel like you're making a contribution, you know, that you're making a difference. Uh, that's, that's really the purpose side of, of work. And there's no reason why with all of the great companies that are out there, that any of us should settle into a career or a job where we're not happy and where we're not having our four needs, you know, the body, mind, heart, and spirit uh, that makes us whole people. And so we need to look at our careers and say, am I, am I in the career trap? Am I, am I settling? And and a lot of times people will choose something because they have to at a necessity, and then 30 years, 40 years later, they're retiring from that company and they can't believe that they spent their whole career doing that. They never wanted to be in that career or that profession. So you have to you, you have to uh, be courageous and in, in deciding what career you're going to do, and not let yourself fall into the career trap.
1: Awesome, awesome. I can I couldn't agree with you more. And um, that's that's the whole idea of what use your difference to make a difference is. It's you know it came out of a time for me when I realized I had uh, three experiences happen to me. I was I was um I took a job after eighty-five job rejections upon graduation and basically it just got married to the idea that I guess I'm not good enough so I'll take any job that 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 hires me. And then I would constantly go to work and bang my head on the on desk and say, Wow, me, me, this is something I I I can't believe I'm doing and I can I'm stretching out two hours of work in eight hours. And I did that for two years and then I just wasn't brave enough to get into the get into what i wanted to do and then one thing happened i woke up in cold sweats and the first thought that came to mind was i can't believe that this is what you're going to do for the next 60 years of your life and then uh, <laughs> and it, yeah it was just random wake up as was a nightmare and then uh, the second thing that happened was i, I just came to new york city because i'm a huge basketball fan and lebron james was with the heat at the time um and he was yeah. you know so i just like oh, i always want to go to new york city and i moved to new york i just came to new york to see a mentor of mine and Upon landing, I just remembered it felt like I had been freed from prison just because I didn't quite know what the energy was. But I was like, this is an environment that I feel alive in. And uh, ever since I was 10, I said I was going to do something like this in this type of environment. Then again, I wasn't brave enough to do anything. And then the third thing that happened was I was driving to that same place of work and then my lane cuts into half. And then, you know, this car cuts into it and I start swerving all over the highway. It's drizzling and I hit one car, two cars, three cars the guardrails and the car lifts up and I'm 22 years old. And the only thing that comes to mind at that point is that you didn't say what you, you didn't do what you said you were going to do when you were 10 years old. Um, <laughs> and I slammed the brakes and I somehow got out of that accident unscathed, but the car was totaled and I quit the job and moved to New York city. But that, that point that you made the sixth point this is the one that's resonated with me the most, probably because it hits home, that career trap. Cause I, I broke out of that trap, but it took a series of steps, and I hope that people listening don't have to go through those steps because, you know, not everybody gets those near death experiences to remind them of that. So
0: yeah, that, that is an awesome story, and and you know, and I'm uh, I'm I'm older than most of your uh, listeners, you know, but I, I started my business at uh, 44 years old. You know, I left uh, the Franklin Covey that I was at for 16 years, and. You know, it was a high-paying job, and I was comfortable. And you know, I I could have, I could have said, you know, hey, that's great, and I I just stay there, you know, the rest of my career. But I've always wanted to own my own business and my own, have my own company. And and so, uh, and and a lot of my family thought I was crazy. I have seven kids. My my mother said, "What are you doing? You know, you can't, you can't do this and and build your own business." Uh, And I, I said, "Well." Uh, your husband Stephen R Covey did that when he was fifty, uh, <laughs> and, and he uh, he was a professor for twenty five years, and then he broke out of that kind of uh, you know cocoon and uh, you know the comfort that that he had in being in that profession uh, to break out and you know bring Seven Habits of Highly Effective People to the world you know through his own business, and 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 that's what most people know him for now is uh, is what he did. So there are. You know, and we talked about Steve Jobs. You know, second act. There is, you can reinvent yourself at any time. At, you know, better if you're doing it young, like you did. Uh, you know, at 22, day, uh, uh, you know, to you know, to, to to you know, to discover what you want to do and finally have courage to do it. Mm-hmm. If you haven't done it, and you're 30, you're 35 or 40. You know what? It's never too late. It's never you too late. You can make the change. Now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we go to the last point, there's okay. A- before we go to the last one. Last trap. <laughs> oh yeah. There's um that point that you know it never too late is so true because Morgan Freeman, Samuel L. Jackson, all these people started their careers late. Now Samuel's in every movie, but he he got his breakthrough in his forties, uh Morgan in his fifties. Now you would never believe that right now if you're looking at their story. So I think the if you couple this trap with the idea of comparing yourself to others, that's a double trap that people should be very, very wary of. But I uh, just wanted to put that point I know, but you wanted to go
0: to the seventh yeah uh, no it's it's a great point uh it, it's in fact that it's the comparisons that get us in trouble so the only the only uh only vision that we should be following is what what's in our heads uh in terms of what we want to do and what we want to be in life and and it shouldn't be other someone else's vision or somebody else's uh, you know, what ourselves against them it's a great point trap is called the purpose trap and the subtitle of that is accumulation or the ultimate lie we don't discover until the end and what i mean by that is when you think about life a lot of times people think about think that life is about accumulating things acquiring things and if you study uh which i have done uh, for this book some of the death bed literature that sounds kind of morbid but what, what it means is that when people are on the verge of dying, they get really authentic. They get really genuine, and they talk about what's the most important in their lives. And guess what they talk about? They talk about relationships. They talk about family. They talk about experiences. And they don't talk about their money or their possessions uh, or their wards or their accolades. Uh, what counts most is the relationships and the experiences. And when I, when I lived with my family in Australia, uh, we, we had to ship our, uh, all of our household items by slow boat, which meant that it would take two months before they arrived. And we had to really think about, you know, do we really need this? I mean, we're going to send this you know, across the world. Do we really need it? And my wife and I decided that we didn't need like 90% of what we had at that point in our, in our life. And so we put it in a storage unit and we, you know, it only took like 10% of the, we had, and we discovered when we were in Australia, it's like, you know what? We didn't even miss 90% of those possessions. When we got back to the States, uh, we we either threw away or gave away, you know, nine, all of those possessions because we found that we didn't really need it. And I think that is, uh, it is true for our lives is that we need to recognize that the most important things in our lives, is our relationships and the experiences that we have. So we have a model in our family that uh, where we say experiences before possessions. So we'd rather we'd rather have experiences than possessions. Possessions bring some short-term happiness, but you know, as we know with possessions, uh, they you know they'll break down, they'll, they'll fall apart. You know, you'll you'll get a model that uh, it's not the latest model <laughs> uh, or the latest upgrade. Uh, and they don't bring long-term happiness. What brings long-term happiness is the relationships, the service that we provide to others, contributions that we can make, make, you know, making a difference. And and that's what the death-dead literature shows. So rather than waiting until we're ready to die, why not discover that now and live our life uh, with with, with that kind of mentality?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love it. And for those listening, we're talking to David Covey, and his book is Trap Tales: Outsmarting the Seven Hidden Obstacles to Success. He's just gone through some of those seven hidden obstacles, and if you want to catch more of those tales, make sure you catch the book. It's it's an amazing it's an amazing um, story and recollection of some of the most common obstacles that snare people every day. So I just want to thank you, David, for coming on to explain that. I know I want to be respectful of your time, but before we go, I want to ask a couple questions. One question was. Seeing your dad do what he did at that age, and um, growing up as as one of his sons, did you feel like you had to follow in his footsteps?
0: I didn't, uh, and and it was because it, he told me that I didn't. You know that I that that I was my own person and I could do what I wanted. He he wanted me to work in the business, uh, and but he said, you know, but it's it's your choice, and I want you to come here. You know, if you really want, if you really want to. Uh, but I, I found myself gravitating to a lot of the same things that he did and that he liked. My dad was, uh, an idea guy. He lo- loved teaching, uh, and he loved writing and he loved providing, uh, content that would cause people to really think and shift, uh, and change their behaviors. His mission statement was a three word mission statement. It was unleash human potential and that's that's what he was all about is he is, is he wanted to unleash the 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 human potential that 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 exists in people and so uh i think i'm you know i i'm i've done a little bit of a different path you know he was like i said he was a professor for twenty five years before he built the uh, uh covey leadership and turned to franklin covey uh but i am kind of in the same uh- so i followed some of the same paths uh, you know, writing books and uh, and building uh, a business with training content, uh, but no, I didn't feel any pressure. You know, if I wanted to be a fireman, or if I wanted to be, you know, uh, a uh, a real estate agent, or if I wanted, you know, to do something entirely different, you know, he would have been very supportive of me of doing that. Yeah,
1: that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, as we wrap up, you said uh, your dad's mission was on unleashing human potential. Our mission statement here, as told by nomads, is use your difference to make a difference. So, David, how do you use your difference to make a difference?
0: So, uh, for me, uh, this uh, book, Crap Tales, uh, has been uh, something that step and I've been batting around for a couple of years. Uh, so, what I like is I, I, I'm a maximizer. I, li- I, like to, I like to see things go from good to great. And I think that uh, I see, you know, I found myself, I've seen and I've observed so many other people in these traps. So I'm hopeful that uh, through my book and whatever else we do in terms of the training and products that come from trap tails, that uh, I'm able to help people become free of these debilitating, limiting, you know, traps that are keeping them from achieving what they want to do in their lives so uh that's that's really really what I get so excited about and I'm passionate about every day is 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 wanting to be able to impact behavior and and i and I believe that uh I believe that uh, a lot of times there's so many so much advice set there what we really need is really good wisdom uh and and so i i I really uh both Stefan and I really worked hard in researching you know, what is really going to, uh, bring the breakthroughs. So, I mean, we call them epiphany breakthroughs. I mean, people maybe sometimes think that's a corny title, but when you think about it, epiphany is, you know, the insights, uh, you know, that we need to get out of the the predicament, the current predicament that we, that we're in. And the breakthrough is, is, is what, you know, what's going to happen when, when we follow through on those insights and those ideas. So I, I'm really hoping that, uh, the way I can make a difference is by helping people become trap free and, uh, and then helping them become trapologists, which means that they uh, learn to spot uh, and recognize traps before they fall into and they can tell their friends and family about it as well. Yeah. And, and, if, and if I can accomplish that, even in a very small way, uh, I, I, I'll feel very happy.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Where can we find you?
0: So you can find me. Uh, I mean, you can find the book, you know, obviously on Amazon or any of the bookstores. And uh, and uh, David M. R. Covey. Uh, I don't know why our my parents gave all of the sons two middle names. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you can you can just look at David M. R. Covey and and you can find me anywhere. Uh, and you can look at my companies and obviously on social media.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, the books can be found on Amazon and anywhere books are being sold. It's coming out this month and in the month of May, the podcast will be out. The book will be out by the time the podcast is out, but make sure you check it out. And also, you know, um, I'll make sure I put all the links in the show notes, but this has been truly a pleasure. Thank you for spending the time with us and just sharing your knowledge. It's uh, something that I, I love to do more and and soak as, as we uh, hopefully establish more relationship. But As um, you all are listening today, remember that you are the author of your destiny more than you think you are and that you have the ability to change the world. It's just a matter of you believing that. So till next week, ladies and gentlemen, use your difference to make a difference.
0: You've just been listening to the Ask
1: Told by Nomad's Podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxen.com.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.